everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. It's been a while since we've done this. Gab, what are you drinking? Right now, I am drinking a damn fine cider, which is what's printed on the can of my two-town cider house, Bright Cider. It is boldly crafted in Oregon, according to the label. What are you drinking, buddy? I'm drinking Tennessee honey whiskey, straight from the bottle. Shit. Are you serious? Yeah, man. I'm so jealous. It's pretty good. It's not really do anything, though, because I had a big dinner. What'd you have for dinner? It was tofu and eggs. It was all protein on protein. Protein on protein. See, so my refrigerator, this is where you have the advantage of living with people. My refrigerator is fairly empty at this point. I think I have potatoes and a yogurt and a couple of carrots and some cheese i like how it's a yogurt it's not just yogurt it's a yogurt (laughs) it's like one of those greek yogurts like one of those like single serving packs you are essentially in a romantic comedy that sad single lady who eats her a yogurt in front of the tv and is lonely and bitter until she meets the right man Right? I just haven't met the right man yet. Yeah, that's what um, your a yogurt says about you. That's what a yogurt. It's not a gogurt. I, I would actually appreciate if it was a gogurt. But I've been emptying out my fridge because guess what? We are going to Canada. We're going to Canada in like four days. We are going. We are going. We are we going to are Canada. We are going to Canada. You're not on the beat, bud. You're not. You're off the beat. We're going. We are going. We are going to Canada. Canada. Oh, God. Guilty feet. We're going going to Edmonton. You and me will be in Edmonton on Friday night and Saturday and Sunday morning. Yep. For opening day of the World Cup. Right? Fuck yeah. We got our doubleheader tickets. We're sitting with the Voyagers. The Voyagers. Voyagers. I have red and white that I'm going to wear. I'll be in a Christine Sinclair jersey, as usual. I will be wearing Thorns stuff because that's the red and white that I own. Good enough. And yeah, we've got the opening day and then you, we're going to be going to Vancouver and living in a house for three weeks. Van City. Van City. Van Van City. I'm expecting it to be pretty, pretty awesome. It's going to be dope. It's going to be like adult summer camp. <laughs> Actually, yes, with a bunch of us crammed into a house and... It's just, it's going to be a lot of ladies in one house. I hope we all sync up. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) I can't, I can't deal with you right now. Um, So if you're around in Vancouver, follow Two Drunk Fans and, and see what we're up to. Maybe we can meet up in a bar. We'll buy you a pint. You can buy us a pint. If you buy us a pint, we'll tell you our feelings about women's soccer for free. Because right now you're paying for them on this podcast. That didn't make any sense. Right? Absolutely. So when we meet up in Vancouver, you'll just buy us beer for free because we you love me. I don't think that's how capitalism works, but... Sure. Maybe that's how it is in Canada. You don't know what's going on with those socialist freaks up there. So what are you packing 
that you feel like you can't get in Canada. So whenever I pack for a trip, I'm always like, I have to make sure I remember like my charger and my computer and my headphones because those are bitches to replace. But I can replace like toothpaste and floss and all that stuff. Like, are you packing anything that you possibly can't forget? It's all electronics, mostly, that I can't forget because I'm not buying another laptop when I'm in Canada. Well, you can't forget the whole laptop, but you might forget the power cord, right? The chargers? I'm obsessive about making sure I have power chargers. I'm pretty forgetful, so when I pack, I have to make an actual list and check it off as I go down it, or else I definitely will forget something. Must-haves, other than power chargers, are going to be jerseys and scarves. And I guess enough clothes for two weeks. I pack light. The... How many scarves are you taking and what kind of scarves? USA. Gotta bring a Canada one because I'll be going to a Canada match. I wish I had an Australia scarf to bring with me, but I've just been coveting this Matilda scarf from afar for like two years now without ever pulling the trigger on buying it. Maybe, maybe somebody who's there will have a Matilda scarf for you to trade for. Oh, maybe, maybe. Maybe somebody would like a Too Drunk Fan Scarf that you can trade for Matilda Scarf. Yes, we will have Too Drunk Fan Scarves. I'll probably bring a Boston Armada Scarf at least to see if I can trade with anybody. See, that's why I'm bringing like... <laughs> it's embarrassing. I'm bringing like 15 scarves. Oh my god. To trade. To oh trade! Yeah, so yeah, yeah. The, they're, they're all ones that I can like replace if I need to, but... Oh, and I'll be bringing my Panini cards to trade. So if you're listening to this okay. and you've got Panini cards, I'm on the lookout for most of the Canadian team. I'm missing a Kristen Press, and I need all of Japan, basically. But Japan didn't do Panini, did they? Yeah, they did. What didn't Japan do? Japan didn't do something. FIFA 16. FIFA! FIFA 16, that video game that I'm going to have to buy. Yeah, you are. We're going to play so much FIFA 16 together. Yeah, I totally am. But anyway, FIFA. FIFA's including the women's team. EA technically is including women's teams in their next FIFA game, which... Okay, EA. I never thought I'd see the day. What's it called? Entertainment? EA Sports? Yeah, what's it stand for? Electronic Arts. Electronic Arts, EA. Get in the game. (laughs) I just never thought I'd see the day, and also, I don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to insider news with gaming. The most I do is I'll go to, like, Gizmodo or whatever. I didn't hear anything about this. Everybody involved kept it silent until maybe two days before launch of the trailer. Right, right. I saw a rumor. I think it was translated from a Brazilian site a day or two before they came out with the trailer. It's nuts. I just, I think it's so cool. Like, I'm not a video gamer. Um, My version of video games is going to local arcade and playing, like, fucking, you know, Mario Kart. But I think it's cool because suddenly there's an option. And my niece, I know my niece is really into, like, women's soccer, but she's not really into, like, bang, bang, shoot 'em up games or, like, even the men's soccer side. So I'm really looking forward to going home for Christmas this year because I will actually be able to, like, play a video game with my niece. 
It is important in a cultural sense because video games, especially video games as big as FIFA 16, have huge cultural impact. EA Sports did a little study and they showed that in the United States, 34% of EA Sports FIFA players became pro soccer fans after playing the video game. And then 50% of the players are more interested in pro soccer after playing the video game. Just consider that. Uh, FIFA 15 sold 14.3 million copies worldwide. Million. Right? Exposure. Yeah. They don't even have to play the women's sides. Just including them. Meaning, yes, the women's game is important enough to include in this game. And it's an experience that people want and should have. Just that that knowledge kind of sinks into people over time and it normalizes the idea that women's soccer should be regarded with the same respect as men's soccer. So for the whiny piss babies who are like, this is going to ruin the game, how? Is having women included going to make your dick fall off? Like, I don't understand how that could be the result of anything but deeply ingrained misogyny. Well, I think that they just thought it was a boy's game, and now it's a girl's game, and they're just going to throw a little fit, right? Thinking that a game is just for boys is a symptom of deeply ingrained misogyny. It's a part of toxic masculinity that says only certain things are for boys. Only certain things. And if somehow girls are involved, these things are ruined. Because boys have to have their own things that girls can't touch. Girls break things. Because girls are inferior, lesser, their touches... Because girls have cooties. Their touches like pollution? Yeah, cooties? Are they going to spread a pandemic of femininity and weakness into your life? What's going on? Fuck you. Fuck you and the horse you rode in on. So yeah, it's a big deal. And the 12 countries involved, most of them are in the actual World Cup. So it's a decent bit of synergy going on because this game is coming out... September of this year and that'll be after the World Cup and right after and right around when NWSL ends it'll be like right at the peak and FIFA's not gonna like not advertise this game and some really really good teams are are gonna be are in it Mm -hmm. Australia Brazil Canada China England France Germany Italy Mexico Spain Sweden United States the country that was left out that I think a lot of people would have liked to have seen included is Japan but I think it was Konami. They own the rights to the Japanese national teams, men's and women's, uh, for a while now. So we're not going to see Japan in a FIFA game for several years. Which kind of sucks. It would be nice to replay some United States-Japan games to work out some feelings I might have about that. But <laughs> what can you do, man? Licensing. Speaking of FIFA, actual FIFA... Was in deep shit. While I'm excited, I don't think we should celebrate just yet. Because Sepp Blatter isn't... Blatter. He isn't quite at the point yet where he's, like, so separated from his goons. Like, he hasn't been convicted of anything. And so I think it's going to take a little bit of time before we actually get to celebrate. Well, actually... Sep might be going down in flames after all. The news dropped the day after we recorded that Sep Blatter would be resigning from FIFA. So we called each other up and recorded a whole new segment just for you guys. Enjoy it. So Sep Blatter 
fucked up our lives once again, merely through the act of resigning. This is the day after we recorded the original podcast, and our original segment was about the whole FIFA scandal and how, you know, we were skeptical of it because it didn't seem like it would ever get to SEP, and here he is resigning. So, I just don't know what to think anymore about anything. What is life? Gab? So, my my humble opinion on the whole thing is kind of understanding that they knew about this investigation. They knew that the fire was being turned up on people. He went through with the election last week anyway, knowing all of these things. What I want to know is, like, what was the straw that broke the camel's back to get him to actually fucking resign? When last week he was, like, confident that he was the guy to rebuild FIFA. He was the guy to kind of carry them forward into whatever their next stages were. In his speech to resign as president and overlord of FIFA, he basically said, you know, he holds FIFA dear and he thinks that other people are going to be able to make these moves going forward, which just pisses me off. Like, it just absolutely pisses me off. I think the real question now is, okay, he's gone. That's what we all wanted. Will real reform happen now? There's two things. One, he's kind of there until December or January, right? Because they said it needs, uh, he has to give four months notice, essentially, before they can replace him. And the other thing being, as a lot of articles have noted, he wasn't just a corrupt guy and everything else was fine. FIFA, the situation surrounding international soccer, club soccer these days, creates conditions that are ripe for corruption. So even if Set Blatter goes, the system itself that allows for corruption to take place is still there. So could we trust anybody new in the position not to give in to that system of corruption or to even try to remove it? Well, I, I think I think what's really important here is that he isn't the linchpin. He isn't the scapegoat. He isn't the only person that is is being tar- like not even targeted, but being brought uh, to the attention of other people. But he's one of now fifteen people who have been arrested or who have lost their lost their jobs. He hasn't been arrested yet. He's one of fifteen people who have lost their jobs as part of this investigation, and. So at some point, you know, I was I was sitting in a fucking training session today when my phone started blowing up because everybody was retweeting all of these things. And uh, I was just like, wow. Uh, so Sepp Blatter, I guess, actually stepped down as FIFA president. And the first thing my coworker said was, who's going to take his place? And I don't think that that's clear cut at this point, which to me is a glimmer of hope. The fact that there isn't a clear cut chain of command because all of those people were brought in that some of the the vice presidents are still under investigation that this this is only a tip of the iceberg i i think there's a lot a lot of positivity in the fact that maybe reform can actually happen and the fact that this isn't an actual like state that fifa is a non-for-profit not profit non-profit organization uh means that there is opportunity to actually make this fairly clean. What I think from an optimistic point of view is this shows that anybody can get got. It shows that just because you're head of FIFA and you swan about in Zurich and don't go to extradition countries, 
you can still be reached. So I would hope that in the future, anybody who steps into that position and thinks they can carry on the way SEP did under the guise of being, oh, old regime out, new regime in, it's all clean now, and then tries to do the same old shit, understands that we're watching you, we know what to look for, scrutiny will be extra hard now. So if you well, fuck up again, we will get you. Yeah, try to do the same old shit. Don't use American banks to launder money. Go ahead and use American banks all you want, because that'll make it easier for us to come get you. Oh, it's just, it's it's one of these things that's laughable to me, because I'm just like, really, you guys used American banks for this shit? Like, you are located in fucking Switzerland. Yeah. I'm... And you used American banks? I'm just like, even Dr. Evil knew not to use, sir, like, American banks. Hopefully they'll, whoever's corrupt in the future will be just as stupid. That, that, that would be nice. Um, but I, I think the, the, the bigger question here is essentially wondering, what does this mean for football in the next four or eight years? Not necessarily like who's hosting the next Men's World Cup. Will it still be in Qatar? Will it still be in Russia? Uh, all of those questions, because I think the wheels are in motion there. But essentially, like, what does this mean for developing programs? What does this mean for women's football? What does this mean for uh, youth development? What what does this mean for countries that have historically kind of bought into the system and countries that haven't, programs that haven't? Um, I'm really excited to see kind of this today is a bold line on the timeline of FIFA. I think, so short term, super short term, I really hope this doesn't overshadow the Women's World Cup. Longer term, I can see the World Cup staying in Russia. It might be too late to rebid and move it around. But for the one after that, 2022 and Qatar, I would hope it would get, or at least there's some reconsideration of that situation, just based on the sheer hideous tragedy of what's going on around World Cup construction there. And then I mean, I would personally I I would personally be pretty upset if they said they're taking it away and these thousands of lives have been lost for horrible, horrible reasons. Like at at some point you just need to go in and say there needs to be reform of that program to make construction better, to make the program better, to really oversee and make sure that, you know, the money is actually making it to the people who are doing the work. What's going on in Qatar is not all FIFA's fault either. I mean, it's the way the country and the government is structured that allows companies to get away with that kind of behavior there. Although hopefully, yes, this will draw a lot more attention to that process to initiate uh, Qatari reform. And I think you're, I think you had a point about the smaller nations who, which is how partially how Set Blatter stayed in power for so long, which was because of the one nation, one vote, and all the votes have equal power, he was able to siphon a couple million dollars to some smaller nations for whom a couple million makes a huge difference and create a voting block that kept him in power. So now what happens to those nations? I mean, I think that's one of the bigger issues is FIFA allocations. Like, FIFA is a multi-billion dollar program. Yeah. Where is that money actually going? And making sure that that money is going to the right place is going to be a huge hurdle or a huge task for the next leadership team. And that's essentially what's happening right now. Like, FIFA's leadership is being replaced. 
It's not just the president. It's not just certain cabinet members. It's like the entire fucking leadership is being replaced. So somebody took the Etch-a-Sketch, flipped it upside down, shook it, and we we are in the fortunate position to say, over, you know, four months from now, what the fuck is this going to look like? I'm excited. I'm excited, too. Excited, but cautious. Well, you're always cautious. I know. I mean, it's probably a good idea never to get your hopes up too much about anything related to FIFA, no matter how good the news is in the moment. So, or soccer. Or soccer. Or sports. In general. Or life. Sports in general. Anything at all. And now back to the regular podcast. Thanks, Gab. Other people that say this FIFA stuff isn't impacting them just yet are the women's national team. On Media Day, they were asked quite a bit about it, which understandable. And they were like, we can't really focus on that now. We've kind of got this tournament coming up that might change the rest of our lives. So... The top article in 538, which is nice, was a statistical breakdown of the send-off series, the three friendlies. And of course, there's the caveat that it's not statistically significant, and these games don't necessarily tell you everything there is to know, but it's what we've got. There's not a lot of data in women's sports just yet. And it was pretty comprehensive, I thought. It had a breakdown of where we shoot from and where teams shoot on us that pretty definitively showed that we generate more offense than other teams. Or I should say the three other teams that we played, which are not really top-tier teams. Well, if they're not really top-tier teams, and it's like, fuck, dude, for the amount of shots that we took, what was our return? It was something like a 10% return, I want to say. Yeah, and that that's not going to win you a World Cup yeah. at that point. 10% return against that level of team i mean admittedly south korea apparently surprised everyone that's not really an excuse we should still be breaking them down like a shotgun well we we should be breaking them down and it's also like dude south korea like okay what if they stun us in the first half we should be able to turn around the second half and do something yeah but we were impotent both halves yeah 45 minutes is long enough to adjust and someone i saw on twitter i can't remember who it was actually was surprised that they were like, do you think maybe South Korea should have saved it and stunned Brazil and their group instead of bringing it all out now against the United States? I don't know, man. I think that, like, showing at least what you're holding um, isn't bad to do in the off series, especially against the United States. Like, maybe for them that was something new. Maybe. Maybe they surprised themselves with that performance. Yeah, I mean, for for all we know, that was that was brand spanking new for them too. So they're just like, holy shit, that worked! Like slowing the game down, controlling the tempo, because that game felt like it was in slow motion, and that was all because South Korea. They've definitely made me reevaluate that group. I would be really pleased if the motherland did well in group and made a deep run into the tournament. I think the farthest they'll go is round of sixteen. But it would be nice if they made it to quarters. It would absolutely, it would be fantastic. I think it'd be great for their program. It would be great for their region if they made it to quarters. Yes, definitely. But at the end of the day, like you can't, you can't say that they were in the wrong for showing their hand because maybe they didn't even know it was their hand. They were just like, guys, we're gonna try something. Let's let's get a little funky today against USA. Let's get a little funky. I kind of agree that it's asking a little much of a team 
to purposely play below their ability and maybe lose a game. It's a friendly, but the stats still count against them in order to have a tactical advantage in the World Cup. But on the other hand, that kind of sounds good to me. Playing it down so that you have a tactical advantage in the World Cup. I don't know, maybe I'm just cold and ruthless. You're you're talking about South Korea at this point, right? Yeah. Not the United States <laughs> playing it down? Because, oh my god, I thought, holy fucking hell. Who are you, and what did you do with the team that just beat Mexico? Maybe that was their strategy. They're gonna play it cool, and then in the World Cup, they're gonna be like, surprise, motherfucker! Yeah, because the United States, you know, we're we're just totally about the surprise attack. We're totally about not competing at 100% all the time, every day, every game. Totally. Especially when Abby Wambach is starting and the captain. I'm sure that group of 23 ultra-competitive women would be totally cool with not playing to the best of their ability for months in order to lull everyone into a false sense of security and then surprise everyone in the World Cup. That's probably you know, exactly Jill what's Ellis, going on. Jill Ellis just has a long game already planned out. We're, we have already fallen victim to this. No, we haven't. Because here we are, we figured her out. We've said this before on the show, too. There are only 400 of us that listen to this. <laughs> Shh, don't say it too loud. Alright, guys, when you listen to this, don't tell anybody else about it. Don't tell anybody about a podcast where we figured Jill Ellis out. Because, yay, go USA. We don't want to let other countries know what our plan is. Yeah, over these three games, I haven't really been inspired with a lot of confidence. But at the same time, they're just sending off friendlies. If any team can respond to the psychological pressure of the Women's World Cup, I think it's the United States. And I think going there, hopefully... Everyone will be healthy, and in that case, they'll show us something that we haven't seen for a while. Well, yeah, I mean, there's it's a send-off series, but at the same time, like, they did a pretty good job against Mexico. Like, I was pretty enthusiastic after the Mexico match a couple weeks ago. I was okay it's after just, Mexico. Well, I mean, it was okay, but I was pretty enthusiastic about it. You know, it was it was one of those things where I was just like, holy shit. I know this isn't awesome, and I know this isn't, this won't beat like Germany in a final, but holy shit, we're actually playing like a fucking team. And that's how low my expectations are. If I was okay after Mexico, I was still on either side of Mexico. I'm back down again. This ping ponging between the highs and the lows doesn't exactly inspire a lot of confidence because it speaks to inconsistency. Oh, I completely agree, but I'm saying if if you if we were to be having this conversation right after the Mexico match, I'd be like, fuck them all, we're winning this cup, we're winning the Olympics, Abby Wambach is amazing, Sydney LaRue is going to rock it, who is Alex Morgan? Like, all my doubts are gone, right? After that Mexico match. But it's not after ten, the Mexico match. Ten, ten, ten minutes after that Mexico match. That was like my attitude. But then, you know, I digest and I'm like, huh, Mexico wasn't really awesome. Let's play South Korea. Huh, look at that. South Korea is playing decent. All they were doing was decent. They weren't playing phenomenal. They were 
they were controlling the match, and the United States let them. Yeah, they were decent. They stuck to their game plan for 90 minutes. That's all they had to do in order to stymie us. Right? Which sucks, because it's like, hey, how about nobody else? Australia, don't watch this film. (laughs) Don't. Nigeria, hey, hey, this film got lost in the mail. Don't watch this shit. So, now knowing what we know about the United States, how do you think they're going to do in group? I I honestly feel like we're going to take it. I feel like the first match against Australia, it's probably going to be ugly. Um, it's not going to feel like a World Cup match. It's going to feel a little bit more like friendly just because we are growers, not showers. Gross. Yep. Um, we are, though. Um, we we have a slow start. We've proven that last few tournaments, that we're not, like, out of the gates ready to go. So I feel like against Australia, we'll win. We'll get the three points, but it's probably going to be, like, a three to one with it being a 1-1 draw up until, like, probably the 70th minute, and then United States will score two goals uh, to come out with the win. Against Sweden, I think that one's going to be a little bit more up in the air. In my heart of hearts, I think it's going to be two to one U.S. But it could also be a draw, and it could very easily be a loss. Um, against Nigeria and Vancouver, I'm hoping that with a win against Sweden, that will just transition into a win against Nigeria. But you know, depending on the mentality, depending on where they are in their headspace. A draw or a loss against Sweden could mean a draw or a loss against Nigeria. Like this isn't a team that can really bounce back, and I think we we haven't really seen that 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 characteristic of this team in the past couple of years to be able to bounce back from a loss. I mean, last year's Algarve certainly didn't inspire confidence in their resilience after losing. So, best case scenario, maybe they win Group D, which means they play third place B, E, or F in round of 16. So third place from B, E, or F is probably going to be something like Cote d'Ivoire, Costa Rica, or Mexico. Let's let's say it's Mexico. That should Mexico be a problem. Mexico wasn't looking too shabby. But that should, still shouldn't be, be a problem. And so I would right. see us going to quarters based on that draw. Now, if we took second in Group D, we play first place like, Group E. Like we did in 2011. Yeah. First place group E, I think, is going to be Brazil. Correct. Although Brazil has been plagued by injuries recently. But even if they don't make it, first place group E will probably be Spain. So, you know, in your worst nightmares, that group E is going to spit out Brazil at you. I don't know. Is it better to knock them out in round of 16 and kind of get that out of the way? I would rather face Spain. Yeah, I would as, too. As, as an American, I would rather face Spain in the round 16. Hopefully, if you're facing Spain, you've won. The entire group. You're top the group. Um, you're coming in with some confidence, and you can you can take what Spain's throwing at you. You're playing Brazil. You're either coming off of a loss, or you've recently lost to Sweden. And Brazil and Sweden, I think, are pretty pretty uh, neck and neck in terms of strengths. Different strengths, of course, but I think just in terms of of quality of game, uh, those two are very similar. And and so. At some point, you, you've got to start sweating a little. So I, I, I would love to see the United States steamroll Group D, play Sweden, or I'm sorry, play Spain 
uh, in the round of 16. And then what? where would that put them? If we win group and then we win round of 16, the winner of that game plays the winner of second place group A, second place group C. That could be Canada, New Zealand, Japan, Switzerland, maybe Cameroon. That's a toss-up. So we probably won't hit Japan in quarters. I think Japan's going to take Group C. Yeah, I was going to say Japan isn't really going to take second in Group C. But if Japan, if, okay, so let's play this game. If Japan takes first in Group C, who do they play in the round of 16? Third place from A, B, or F. That's too big. That's too big to speculate on. Yeah, but if it's third place from A, B, or F, I still think that gives them pretty much a buy into quarters. Yeah. The more predictable route if is if we take second and then we win our round of 16, because then the winner of that round of 16 match plays the winner of the round of 16 that's first in Group C versus third A, B, or F. First in Group C is probably going to be Japan, and third A, B, or F obviously could be anybody. But we'll probably get knocked out by Japan. So yeah, if we get second in our group, I see us hitting Japan in quarters. So let's win first. Let's win group. That's that's our motivation right there. Like yeah. fucking whatever you can to beat Sweden, whatever you can to beat Australia. Let's get nine points. Let's cruise on out of there, and let's not face Japan in the round sixteen or quarters or quarters. After that incredibly Byzantine discussion. Here's who I think is going to be in the final four. Kind of just cut to the chase. Us, Germany, France, and Canada. Wait, did you say Canada? No, I think it's going to be us, Germany, France, and Japan. Okay. Phew. Because I was like, wait, I could have sworn you said Canada. Throwing you for a loop there, mate. Uh, I was about to send in the hounds to check on you. I should probably work through the back bracket, though, to see if it's possible for that to be the final four, or if any of those teams is more likely than not to meet up in a previous knockout round. So out of those four, then, who do you think is going to win the whole shebang-a-bang? USA! 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 No, but really, who do you think is going to win the whole shebang-a-bang? I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, man. Okay. Uh, so I think it's going to be a struggle bus. I'm not entirely sure the USA is going to come out of the come out of the group stage number one. And we've already talked about if they don't, who they would potentially have to play. Um, and I think that's just that's a narrative that's a lot like uh, what we faced in 2011, where you know it's not the easy road, but they're they're willing to take it. I don't think they're going to face Japan. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of obstacles in Japan's play in J- Japan's uh, uh, way this year. Um, honestly, I think I think it's going to be Germany in the final. Uh, I think it's going to be a U.S. Germany final. And fortunately, uh, my faith is is behind that American squad uh, with super sub Abby Wambach. Um, she will have just played in the semi to get us to the final. So she'll be coming on in the 70th minute for that one because she, again, just played in the semi. I'm not saying she's going to score the winner. I think, uh, I think Alex Morgan and uh, Amy Rodriguez are going are gonna to fit the bill for that one. But um, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. But, you know, dude, we're really we're a month in the future at that point. Talking about who's going to win the whole shebang shebang. 
You and I are going to be living together for three weeks. Uh, yeah. We're going to be recording some podcasts between now and then. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, if you So, wanna... why don't we save major speculation for when we're at 2 a.m., drunk on Cuban rum, spitballing in the kitchen? Sure. So, even though there are some teams who look like sure winners, it's actually kind of too early to really speculate. I think after group, a much clearer picture will emerge. Why don't we look a little closer to That's... home, to teams with a little more data, and WSL. I know it's been rough for you recently, Gab. Uh, what, 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 what are you talking about? Portland hasn't picked up a and, win in five games. La 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 la, what? I can't hear you. La 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 la. Okay, we'll just skip right past that. Yeah, it's been rough. For some reason, we thought Ali Long could carry us this season. For and she'll carry us she right did. into the offsides position every single fucking time. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough when you have eight internationals, you know, getting ready for their for their national team schedules. And, you know, you're calling up five or seven amateurs and you have two salary players who aren't traveling with the team and you are playing with no passion and no pace and no drive it it kind of makes me question how many points are the thorns going to get out of this like second part of the season which is that part that we talked about you know all teams are kind of at a deficit i'm not really expecting awesome numbers from the thorns at this point but your breakers on the other hand your breakers are doing pretty well for themselves shockingly things have gone according to tom durkin's plans you know this is being recorded, right? Yeah. Okay, just wanted to check. He made a roster that depended on people being gone for the World Cup and said, nope, I know Nair's probably going to be gone. And then maybe Bianca Sierra, but he didn't build a defense around her. He traded for Cassie Coleman and Morgan Marlborough, but Cassie Coleman, wow. That trade turned out to be worth it and then some. Because as much as I miss Heo... And as much as Boston can use a little more firepower coming in from the right, that central defense position is super important. And Cat Whitehill lost a step and then retired. And if we hadn't had somebody already in place and up to speed and ready to go, we'd be so far up shit creek, we'd be at the source of the shit. The shit but lake. Instead, but instead, you're number three. We're number three in the league for the rest of the week. You're above the red line. If there were a red line in the NWSL. Yeah. Next we play the Washington Spirit, and the Spirit have looked great this season. I think how about... How are you going to stop Crystal Dunn? That is the question. I think about 60% of how great the Spirit looks is due to Crystal Dunn. Maybe 50%. There are some other players on that team who have been working really hard, like Christine Nairn. Tori Huster works really hard for them. I think Joe Loman has done better this season than she did last season. I think it's partially because she's happier and more relaxed in DC. It's not so fraught. I think that's going to be a tough game against a tough team. The Spirit are second right now. I would love if Boston could just take some points off of them. I would. I would love even a tie against the Spirit. Well, and that's the the part of the season that we're in is when teams that can should be just going after as many points as possible because there are obviously teams that don't have the firepower and can't be competing at that level who are going to be dropping points 
And so we're in a position right now where maybe it is five or six games where those points are up for grabs. But as soon as those World Cup players come back, holy shit, this thing's going to get real, real fast. Yeah, so right now your breakers, your Western Europe flashes should be just like hungry, hungry hippos frantically slapping that button to try to get as many points as possible. Just, you know, they should be aiming for three points every match. And then your team's like, Portland or KC should just be aiming for like a draw or a potential win. But oh my god, like let's not give away all of the points during this part of the season. Yeah, FC KC dropped important points. They lost to us and they lost to the Red Stars. Although the Red Stars are hot this season. I don't know how many people saw that coming. I think people anticipated the Red Stars would be good, but I don't know if they anticipated undefeated top of the league. They I'm sure people didn't anticipate Seattle esque numbers. And then when Kristen Press gets back, that'll be interesting that, for Chicago. That shit's going to get crazy in Chicago real fast. I just hope I just hope they're marketing their team so that people know how awesome it is. I don't know if they have more doubleheaders planned at Toyota Park, but I really like that beginning of the season for the Red Stars. I liked it aside from the technical difficulty part yeah. of it. Need to fix that real quick. FC Kansas City... Still a team to contend with, but they did not look good against Boston. Maybe they're of the philosophy or of the mindset that, like, this part of the season just doesn't matter. Well, I think Vlatko said that he divided the season the way most people did, which was with internationals, without internationals, and then with internationals again. Well, interestingly enough, though, Tom Durkin, in the preview of the game, basically said, I'm not too worried. I worry about Amy Rodriguez. She's a handful, but now that they don't have her, I know what's up. And he did. So He had that shit figured out. You know who else is looking decent is the Dash. I think they have more points now than I thought they would at this point in the season. Sorry, Dash fans. But they're fifth, and they're sitting right behind the Breakers and FC Casey. See, now I've always thought the Dash were a team to contend with. They just haven't really shown up this season, and now now they might be finding their stride. Last season, they went from announcement to playing a game in 90 days. So last season, they just, they just didn't have the same amount of time as everyone else. And this season, coming into it, they've had that time. They've had time to settle. It's like when you're in a new house, and it's settling, and there's all the creaking and the groans, and you feel like it's haunted, but really it's just new. So now all the ghosts are out, and they can just be a house. How do you like that well, metaphor? They, they they can just they can build this house. I mean yours is kind of better. Cause last season they built a foundation and now they're putting right. up the frame and it's starting to look like a house and not just a slab in the ground. So that's NWSL. Some surprise wins, some surprise losses, although were they really surprises? Cause we knew there was gonna be some shake up during this weird interim World Cup period. Maybe this is what yeah. was always meant to happen. Well, we've got a two-week break coming up at some point, I think in two weeks. Yeah. And teams can hopefully just kind of hold on to the shitstorm that they've started um, and not give away too many points. <clears throat> Portland and Paul Riley, can we, can we stop the bleeding, please? Please, por favor. So it's time for viewer questions. Boom, boom, boom. Rapid fire. All right. At Backseat Gaffer says, which players do you plan to pull a pint with during your time in Canada? 
If I have my way, none. None players. I prefer to watch players from a distance and then not be super awkward and weird up close. Because I am a super awkward, weird person. I will second that. Um, although I wouldn't mind pulling a pint with Julie Foudy. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't mind pulling a pint with any of the 99ers or any of the Canadian players. I, I feel like they might exit early. Oh. Ergo, ergo be, be welcoming of a pint early. I wouldn't mind pulling a pint with any former Portland Pilots players. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. At Soccer and Life 23 asks in each group who are one team you think could be dark horses and surprise everyone by making it past group stages. Why don't you handle this one, buddy? I don't necessarily know that there's a dark horse in every group, but I will give you my overall dark horses for the tournament. Canada and England. Now, if you want a horse so dark that no light escapes from it, I'll give you Australia. I was going to go with New Zealand over Australia. Oh, here's a third dark horse, Sweden. Oh, shit. How is Sweden a fucking dark horse? Mm-hmm. On it On its own merit, Sweden's a great team, but compared to everyone else, yes, it is a dark horse. It's not a front- With all their fucking injuries right now? Yeah, Sweden's not a front runner to win. Yeah, because they're all fucking injured. Final question. It's not a question from Twitter. It's a question directly from Gab herself, because she's clever. Yeah. If you were on an elevator with Sepp Blatter, Julie Foudy, or Hope Solo, not all together, but one at a time, right? Yeah. What would you say? So, first Sepp, then Foudy, then Solo. So I'll go first. If I were on an elevator with Sepp, I, I don't know if I can say it on this show, man. I have a lot of dark things saved up that I want to tell him. On an elevator. You're not, like, in a padded room. Like, the guy can fucking walk away. I guess. I would ask him... Mr. Bladder, how does it feel knowing that objectively you are a bad human being who has objectively made the lives of thousands and thousands of people worse on this planet and almost no one would mourn you if you were gone and in fact would actively rejoice in your death? How does that make you feel? Okay. That's what I would tell Sepp. Julie Foudy. Julie what would Foudy. You tell Julie Foudy? I would say... You're on a hotel elevator. Julie Foudy gets on. What do you say, Julie Foudy? Well, hopefully I've got the holy shits out of my system after that time oh, I you're, saw Christine you're, Sinclair you're, in you're, airport. You're like, you're like three drinks in. I would say to her, hey, I've got this podcast. you want to be on it? <laughs> if I'm three drinks okay. in, honestly, that's what I would say. I'd hand her a and business card and go, that's me. That's me. And Hope Solo, I'd say, I'd want to say over the past two or three years I've kind of come to the realization that you're a very complex person and I know you're very polarizing but I wish more people would dwell on the complexity of you as a human being instead of leaning so far one way or the other I wish they would give you that the same benefit of a doubt that you should give to another human being but I think she's so intensely private she might not take that in so if it was after a match, I'd probably just say, good game. <laughs> and if it was before a match, I would tell her, good hunting. Good hunting. Yeah, impersonal, no, polite. All excellent, all excellent answers. So what would Wonderful you say? Wonderful answers. Thank you. What would you say to Sep, Julie Foudy, and Hope Solo? 
to Sepp, I would probably ask him how long he plans to dictate over this shit. Uh, to Julie, I would ask her if she would like to get a donut in the morning. And to Hope, I would inquire about what she is currently benching. That's a good question, actually. Hope, how much can you bench right now? Right now. Today. Challenge in the weight room. Yeah, if we went down to the hotel gym and you got on that bench press, how much would be your 100%? Bro. Do you bro. lift, bro? What's your, what's your, what's your max, bro? You know what Hillary Knight's max is that I read in an article? No, she's a hockey player, right? Yeah, it might be different now, but her max at the time was 169. Jesus. Isn't that great? That's fantastic. I would tell I, you- I, I, I seriously question what Hope Solo, but I also wouldn't want to be responsible for breaking Hope Solo. No, I would tell Hope Solo that, though, and see how she reacted. You know what? Probably she wouldn't react. She'd be like, Hillary Knight's a hockey player. I'm a soccer player and a goalkeeper. Fuck your comparison. Probably. Probably. Then I'd be like, Nadine Onger can bench for Hillary. <laughs> I think she'd call you bullshit on that, though. She'd be like, Nadine is my close personal friend. <laughs> Nadine and I go to concerts together. Nadine has been getting closer to me as a spy for Germany. Much the way she did in Portland. And I pegged I, uh, her, but... I bought, I, bu- I bought Nadine two beers this one night at a bar in Portland. Well, that's it for all this episode of Two Drunk Fans. Next time we hit you with the podcast, we'll be doing it from Vancouver. Or Edmonton. Or Edmonton. We might do one you in don't... Edmonton and one in Vancouver. We might go wild. Shit. We might go really wild. Um, I plan on blogging uh, during our trip. Yeah, we'll be blogging from twodrunkfans.com. TwoDrunkFans.com Hopefully we'll see you in Canada. If you're going to the game and you see in our Twitter, you know, whatever bar or hotel that we're at, come find us. Gab is the short but... one who looks like she was born in 1943. <laughs> she wears the age pretty well, though. And Thrace is the slightly less short one with the dark hair. Dun dun dun! No, Crystal Dunn plays for Washington. She won't be there. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Burn. <laughs>